And um, this is the word of God for us. Who has believed what has been heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a plant, a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is Silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help me to not... pretend that I could speak to these profound truths without your assistance, without your grace and help. Father, we are exploring the depth of your love, the depth of our sin. Uh, In these moments, Lord, bless your word. Uh, May we know more deeply the love of Christ that has found us tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, Tonight is the night we remember Christ's betrayal. We remember the trials, the arrest, then the trials, the verdict that Pilate declared. Really, the verdict was, I find no, uh, no guilt in the man, but strangely, he's pronouncing him fit to die. These are all criminal proceedings. Christ is mocked as king. A crown of thorns is placed on his head. Uh, Scottish minister uh, by the last name of Finlayson, he said, Today we remember that Jesus Christ identified himself with our sin, 
and its criminality. Its criminality passed over him, and he bowed his head under the shame, the bitterness and the pain of our condemnation. We understand it was also a triumph, and that is it was such a condemnation, such a successful judgment of sin that we who believe can echo Romans 8, 1. There is now no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it was an extraordinary event. It's the culmination of redemptive history, and up to this point at least, of course, we are waiting for the new heavens and new earth. And now we find ourselves just for a moment in Isaiah 53, uh, a rather famous portion of God's word, um, and and appropriate for tonight. Isaiah, really, I look look at him as sort of the panoramic prophet. He saw in his time the sin and uh, rebellion of Israel in the north. He saw the rebellion of Judah in the south. And then he saw, as the latter chapters unfold, he saw a redeemer coming, a servant who would bring salvation. And then, as the panoramic prophet, not only does he see issues in his day or the day to come when Christ would come, but he also sees into the new heavens and new earth. So quite a, quite a vision uh, for, for Isaiah. And I love this development in the book of Isaiah with this individual who just has the title, He. He. He is despised. He is the one who comes, the suffering servant, the deliverer of God's people. And it is in Isaiah 52.10 we hear that God, in the sending of this Savior, is bearing his holy arm. He's revealing his plan of salvation. And Isaiah in 53 verse 1 says, who has believed our message? Who is listening? Is anyone listening? And Isaiah 52 verse 10 says that this is being done, the revelation of God's plan is being revealed to all the nations. The eyes of the nations are beholding this salvation. But is anyone Here tonight, beholding and listening. Was anyone in the days of Jesus understanding what they were seeing? Is anyone noticing this great work? And he asks the question, who has believed what he has heard from us? And then there's a a presentation of the suffering servant. And uh, in verse Three, he is despised. He is rejected by men. He is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. And he is one from whom men hide their faces. Perhaps this is the reason why no one is receiving the message, or so few did. That is that how can we have from someone who is so filled with sorrow, a deliverer. And then at the end of verse 3, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Is he able to deliver and save? 
In fact, the original language here where it says at the end of verse 3, we esteemed him not, is very close to the idea that we didn't really give him a rank among humanity. He was stricken. He was abandoned. He was refused assistance. He was offered no sympathy because he didn't warrant our esteem. He doesn't really rank as a human being. And then Isaiah begins to press his case about this suffering servant. And he says in verse 4, no matter what the human response is, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But our estimation of him doesn't, isn't the sum total of him. It's what he is doing on the cross. And we should also note that even in the, the public ministry of Jesus, when he bore our griefs, we often think of the cross alone, but it's already reflected in his mercy and his kindness, his, his miracles, his, his compassion. Already he's bearing our griefs. And Isaiah begins to develop this theme of bearing our griefs as he, as, we are, as, as he unfolds more and more insights into what that looks like. Verse, verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. That's what it looks like for him to bear our griefs. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Now, I think you're picking up on the, 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 the theme here is that he came as the servant to take upon himself what was something we deserved. And then this remarkable statement at the end of verse 5, and with his wounds we are healed. And again, the cry is, is anyone listening to this? Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Remember that moment when he turned to his disciples and he said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you that the prophets long ago longed to see the things that you see and to hear the things that you hear. You are blessed tonight that you perceive and understand the meaning of the cross. God has revealed his plan to your understanding. You understand Christ's mediatorial capacity. He is your mediator. Far beyond a, a, a travesty of justice. It's a remarkable plan. Crushed on account of our sins and iniquity. Iniquity. Interesting word, iniquity. Iniquity has with it not only just the transgression or to do something wrong or rebellious against God's will. It includes the idea of being bitter. You think, you parents here, have you ever had your child defy you? 
It's not just the, 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 the defiance, is it? It's the reason why they defied you. We who are the transgressors, we had our reasons to not obey, our reasons to go our own way. And there was bitterness between ourselves and this one who would claim authority over us. And he was, verse 5, crushed for our iniquities. The motive of that sin The bitterness is what he tasted and what he experienced. And this is described as a vicarious atonement, taking taking our chastisement and it's placed upon him. He entered into the fellowship of our sufferings and he bore them in his person. And this chastisement... Isaiah begins to preach the gospel. This chastisement has brought us peace. It's brought us goodness. This judgment, as we heard last night, that God saves through judgment, this judgment brings salvation. And I can only imagine that Isaiah, now he has been speaking fairly directly, and if you like propositional truth, Right? Oh, you can all hang some ideas on these, these truths. These are really uh, well-spoken. But then he, it's as if Isaiah is taking a moment and, and he's saying, but what would it be like to, to put this in terms of a poetic expression? Poetry is such a beautiful and powerful literary genre or device because it there's something about it where we describe things in illustrative ways. It's not just the sun shining, it's the golden sun shining. We want to put more words to it that, that add a, a mental experience with it. So Isaiah now, how do I summarize this one who was crushed for our iniquities? How do I, what, do I, what might it be like? And I imagine that he is looking out Often in his life, he looked out upon uh, pastures and saw lots of hills. Perhaps he saw the shepherd start off the day with the flock there. They've been protected overnight, and then it's time for the, the sheep to graze. And as the day unfolds, the sheep find all kinds of hills and places to go, and they wander. And they wander. And now this classic. Verse 6. What is it like for, for us to understand the cross? Well, it's like us being like, and here's the simile, like sheep. And we have done what? We have gone astray. Now, sheep, a beautiful, beautiful animal. But here it's a sheep, and based upon everything that's gone on before this text, this, this, this astray quality is, is not good. And we might not normally assign rebellion to a, to a sheep, but 
this word astray draws us in. With beautiful poetic touch, the prophet now draws us in, and he uses the first all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We as a as a as a as a class of beings, humanity, we have all gone astray. We're all in this category. But there's also a specific reference to each of us individually. Each of us has gone his own way. We have rebelled in our own particular way. And then again, he summarizes what he said before in verses 4 and 2. But the Lord, what did he do with these straying sheep and each particularly sinning in their own particular way? What did he do? He laid that iniquity upon the suffering servant. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is why Jesus, Matthew 26, says, let this cup pass from me. He, 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 it's getting closer. And the reality of it is pressing in. I will, I will taste of something. I will experience this. And I do not want to. Let this cup pass from me. This bitterness of rebellion, this defiance of your will, and what is deserving of that, Jesus said, let it pass from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. What would it be like to be cared for mercifully by God? It would be to have him come and deal with what hovers above us always and continually. That is a guilt that we cannot remove ourselves. Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, receiving chastisement, This all describes going astray. So these are the two alls of Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The totality of our rebellion is considered and purchased, dealt with on the cross. And all of that iniquity is, has been taken care of. So tonight we behold the servant of the Father, the servant of Jehovah, willing to the very end to enact the will and the plan of redemption. I want to conclude and just encourage you that if you understand these things, you are blessed. You have heard Isaiah's message. Your ears are now hearing your Savior call to you. Your eyes are now seeing the beauty of this work on the cross. You are beholding God, your Savior, 
Christ is your anchor. Christ has purchased you. There's a Japanese uh, theologian named Kazo Katamori, and he said this, Those who have beheld the pain of God cease to be loquacious or verbose and open their mouths only by the passion to bear witness to it. What is the effect of the cross tonight upon us? Really, tonight, the cross and its effect is to silence us. That's why we will dismiss with silence. But the cross will also open our mouths. It will, in its passion, awaken our souls to how well we've been loved and to engage in God, with God, in the mission of God. And so may you find yourself tonight beholding your God, understanding that you listen because of his grace. You are blessed, for you have heard. Let's pray.